Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. The NFL Draft Week is here. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with Yon Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here, ready to make it happen. Pete Rose. Baseball legend on today's show coming up in a couple of hours. We expect him around 4 o'clock Central or so. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Paul, good to have you back. Very nice to be here. Great weekend for me and my family. Thank you. Paul, Paul apparently spent a lot of time watching NBA basketball. I did not. I, uh, the way you've been I, talking about I, it. No, I just looked at a lot of results. Um, and I, I don't foresee I, – I, I'm going to bet big on the Nets winning game four because I don't think the NBA likes sweeps. And I think teams uh, – the, the Nets as bad So you're as, saying they fix games. As bad as they've been. Yeah, well, I think we've all kind of thought that for, for a while, that, that, that they, they like the shape of, they like the shape of series um to to go in their favor to set up tv and i, to, I don't disagree with and, you at and, all and to do certain things i just you know it, i saw it's one of those way, deals where it, if, I, I if, think, if there were actually evidence of it happening behind the scenes people would go crazy but i think on surface level everyone agrees that these series normally go past four also i think you know like philadelphia came out and i, I only saw a little bit of that game but then i saw the post game and the attitude of the post game guys were 76ers came out and just presumed they were going to roll in that game, and the, and the Raptors came out and decided they weren't going to just lay down. And I, I think the Nets maybe would have that in them. It's pretty embarrassing what's happened to the Nets. I don't think the Nets like have anything be, in them. You know? They're down, they're down 0-3, and they, really they've, been they've all seemingly quit. Yeah, really Ben Simmons bad. isn't playing. He's being called out by Reggie Miller. You Kevin have, Durant sucks. Kyrie um, Irving is uh, passive. Uh, I mean, I, I just see. I don't know why there are, Durant has quit. I don't know why there are any expectations for Ben Simmons. I don't know why anybody would uh, w- wasn't done with Ben Simmons after what happened in in Philadelphia. Personally, I I, I like any expectations I would have had as a peripheral NBA person at best. Once Ben Simmons was declining to take shots, open shots close to the basket, I was like. Why does Ben Simmons valued in this league? I'm going to sound like that's a, a pitcher really, refusing to pitch. I'm going to sound like a really old guy, but you know what bothered me more than anything about the NBA weekend and watching games? It wasn't Ben Simmons quitting. It wasn't the Net Celtics series being a dud after Saturday night. It wasn't any of the. It wasn't even the officiating disparity in the Pelican Suns game, 42 free throws to 17. It was the amount of times I saw what. To the naked eye, to anyone who's ever watched a basketball game, was clearly a traveling violation that wasn't even discussed as a possible traveling violation. I saw Boogie Cousins. I'm not even kidding. It looked like seven steps. He picked up the ball in front of the three-point line. Just ran. Did two steps to the right, 
juked back to the left like a running back hitting a hole <laughs> and went up and got fouled. And Doris Burke was like, this is the Boogie Cousins that we've always loved. Look at the, look at the dexterity with the size. Oh, and the finish. And I'm thinking, he didn't dribble. Are we going to ignore the fact this man did not put a dribble down? And it was such an obvious walk. And they didn't even think. There wasn't anyone on the other team calling for a trout. No one spoke of it. You're it talking wasn't about basketball. It. You're talking about it. I'm picturing a little kid like would pick up a basketball and run to the basket. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, no Evie's five just and accepted. six year old league. It's just accepted now. It's part of the league. Well, it used to be three steps is now four. Well, what they get is the if you drag the pivot foot. Because the very next possession, they got Clay Thompson because he That's started to pass and he stepped out and his left pivot foot drugged just a little bit. And oh, that's a travel. That's We're gonna, really and then they knew right away. Steve Kerr didn't argue it, nothing else. But if it's to free up offense, by all means, don't dribble. You know, you're getting double teamed, sir. I don't want you to have to try to put a dribble between that. Just step through them and go to the basket. It was pathetic. And it turned me off. I turned the game off. I turned on the USFL at that point. I watched someone get killed. USFL. It's that. It was that obviously bad. It completely turned me off. NFL. Uh, it sounds like they're. Uh, and we had talked about this. Uh, I don't know, four or five weeks ago about the Black Friday game that you Amazon, had talked about it. You were all over this. Well, they wanted. They wanted to add it. I don't know if they're adding it this year. But uh, by next year, uh, by by next year, that they want to add the game in. There, there are small provisions within language of contracts that will allow them to do it. There, there are you know the uh, television acts of 1961 or whatever that says that the NFL can't broadcast games on Friday night during high school football. So it's got to start by four o'clock. Yeah, as long as it starts before six o'clock Eastern. They're fine. So Amazon wants to pay somewhere between seventy and a hundred million, based on reports, outrageous for one game to, to add in a Black Friday game. That's and the same amount ESPN was paying for that lousy Saturday game on Wild Card Weekend. That's how much the prices have gone up. Well, for one one game for how many years? Is just this a one off? I, I, I that, mean, I think that's per year. I think they presume it will become a yearly thing after the one year. Well, but that's for one game. They're going to pay seventy to what? 70 to 100 is the report. Um, and now they're going to get the, a good game, Peter King says. Of I course mean, they will. Amazon's going to get a great slate of games this, this year, or, or for, you know, that could be next year, but they're getting good games. Well, and I think why, why would it not happen this year? Even though the owners voted through quietly a provision that opened the door for them to move more games. Uh, they gave the NFL permission to schedule two more teams for a second short week game. That's what they did at this recent owners meeting. And Very that, quietly. that is for this Amazon Black Friday game. However, there are a, a number of things to compete against this year. For instance, the World Cup and the United States plays England on Black Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern. It'd be a great sporting so, day at Amazon, do you want to pay now? Do you want to roll it forward to next year and not compete against the World Cup and what would be a, you know, the, the Fox broadcast? I don't know what, they, what they're thinking on that, but Black Friday games here. I, I'm not 
one that on Black Friday I'm I'm shopping by any means. I, I think for the most part, <laughs> that's shocking uh, to me, Hutton. Uh, that no, you wouldn't be out fighting the crowds to no, shop. I don't I don't know of many people who get out and fight the crowds anymore. It's no, all and online. Am- you're on Amazon shopping. It's a key yeah. day for them to to. Um, uh, to no, it's a big TV sell day. their wares. It's become a huge TV. It's day. a TV day where you sit around and you know do odds and end stuff and order your Christmas online and they want to cash in on that market. Here's the risk you're of streaming them, it anyway. Here's the risk of them not getting a fantastic game is because uh, now the, the Detroit game on Thursday is never a great game, right? But Dallas usually gets a good game. Thursday night will get a good game. Sunday night will get a good game. And I think they might have Saturday games already at that stage of the season. Maybe two. There are seven other games they're going to want to leave something good for Sunday afternoon. That is a very drawn-out, thin weekend for catalog. You would think buys are done by then, but you never know what the buy stretch is. If there are two teams off or four teams off, the catalog is just automatically thin. And how many, you know, at a certain point, there aren't good matchups. You know, you may be getting even not a good Sunday night game or not a good Monday night. I didn't even say Monday night. So, um there might just not be much to choose from on that weekend. Well, um, and that may be the danger of it in the first place. That's also, I mean, that weekend, the football weekend, aside from the NFL, because they will have Saturday games, uh, at least I think they normally do. I think do. so, too. Iron Bowls played that weekend. Uh, Black Friday, is that not the Egg Bowl? That's uh, Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving is the night is the Fr- Egg Bowl. Friday is uh, Nebraska, Iowa. If it used to be Texas, Texas A&M, which okay. is a big one, not anymore. There's usually some good games. It's like uh, Baylor, Texas maybe is on that Friday. Now is, is the a Black Friday game. I know every year it's Nebraska, Iowa, Arkansas, Missouri. Arkansas, Missouri. Play on that Friday. Yeah, so I mean, Those are the ones a, that jump to mind. It will add to what will be a fun weekend slate of football. It, doesn't um, this it, it just may not seem, happen this year, though, because of the World Cup and the competition there. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't want that competition, but this is also – if the NFL went ahead with it this year, this is the ultimate flex if they won the ratings battle with USA-England and World Cup for a random in a, one NFL uh, they, game. They will win the ratings battle. I don't but know, Paul. Those, those World Cup game matches get enormous ratings. And Fox... That's going to be tough even for the NFL. And here you're taking on Fox, which is one of your best partners. This is broadcast by Fox. It'd be one thing if it was on you know, a competitor, but it's on a partner. Yeah, I don't think it's a slam dunk the NFL wins. Well, I'm glad, with the world I'm glad as a soccer guy to hear that. Now, uh, the other thing they're doing, and I don't know, you guys probably hit on this on Friday. I mean, they're taking on the NBA full bore on Christmas Day with three games. Now, Christmas Day falls, is it on a Sunday? Um, so I think the full slate is on Christmas Eve, which is on a Saturday. But then on Sunday, they're having three games and going all out like Thanksgiving Day. They have a and, triple header. And they're saying, with, uh, with no offense to our brethren at the NBA, well, it's total offense. Yeah, I mean, it's not offense. It's offense, just we don't care. Offense we'll we'll go a, dominate our day. And offense taken. Sunday's what, our day, and we'll, Adam Silver saying offense taken. Yeah, because well, we now lose. Well, it day. is on a Sunday. The reason why they want the and they're they're going to continue. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Saturday, right. Tuesday. They're going to have Christmas Day games because they because draw. The, the ratings are massive. The Colts Cardinals game pulled thirty million on that national television broadcast. Colts Cardinals. Uh, and that was a big win for Carson Wentz and the Colts that night. But that, that's, that's why they're going to continue to move this forward with the Christmas Day games. And the, the NBA, that, 
that used to be what I would look at as the unofficial tip-off of their regular season. Yeah. That's gone in the dump compared to the numbers that the NFL is pulling on well, this. I'm all Many for want to make it the official debut of the NBA season. There's been a lot of pushes to let's Not just start the season on Christmas Day. That should be everybody's opener. And then, and then even if you extend the season up until closer to the start of football season, it's better than the alternative. Um, there are so few times now where you actually have an event where everyone's around the TV. They're at someone's house, the family house, you know, family member's house for a holiday, whatever it may be. These numbers, Hutton, you throw out the 30 million number, Thanksgiving Day games. We've known this for a while. It but was the if you're third the NFL, highest regular season game of 2021. And if you're the NFL, why not go ahead and cash in on that every year? Because you've got an attentive audience that is actually there watching something live in that moment. And every other day of the week outside of, you know, we know, Saturday and Sunday and football season, you've got people watching countless different streaming services. Some are watching sports live at night. Others are watching a network show at night. You can't get the actual fireplace of America where everyone gathers around it and consume something. And that's what you get now on Christmas night Florio, with this game. Florio and you'll get speculated it on, on Black Friday. they'd go as far as doing it when Christmas falls on a Wednesday. I think that would be really hard to pull off. You'd have to schedule buys around it, and that'd be really late season buys and everything. I think you'd have to give it a break when it falls on Wednesday, but I could see it being Thursday for sure. It's already done for, for Thanksgiving. And if you could do it Thursday, you could do it Tuesday, conceivably, though it'd be a very odd structure. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a permanent, you know, Christmas is going to be an NFL thing. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, Elon Musk is about to own it for $44 billion. Uh, it's been approved. Uh, it's, they're it's they're accepting his offer uh, to purchase Twitter, every share for around $44 billion. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I laugh at this because, you know, locally we're dealing with like a $2.5 billion stadium. You know, we look at what SoFi for five billion plus, and uh, he's able just to to buy every share for forty four billion. I I love it. It's incomprehensible. It's crazy. Money. I mean, I think we throw around the number and don't really think about what it means. But that that's good framing. I mean, it's well, he's unbelievable money. It, we were doing the I had the Forbes list out a couple of weeks ago, and we were going through it. I think he's at two hundred and nineteen billion. Total, the richest, the richest person in the world, number one. Number one. Bezos was two. He's number one. It was 219, but 40 billion of that. I mean, that's, a, oh, well, you know, Elon Musk has the money. Yeah. That's quite a big percentage of his overall worth. And that's not just cash. You know, he's worth $219 right. billion. Dollars. He doesn't, like he he doesn't have $219 billion liquid, but yet he's got the ability to purchase something for $40 billion. Unbelievable. Well, c- consider it, he spent a hundred million on SpaceX. Well, it's and he's also spending forty-four funny billion on Twitter because Twitter <laughs> has giant value, but like, also like, I don't know if you guys are like me. I mean, it's got tremendous value, but like, it's what's the value? You know what I mean? It's where like, people communicate and get no, their news. I, I understand, but there's also a huge percentage of the world that doesn't know or touch Twitter and could completely live without it. It's not like, a, a, I don't know. I, 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 I go back and forth between seeing like it's an invaluable property to have and thinking it's, it's such an intangible thing to such a large percentage of the world 
I, I, I can I could see it being but the people, overvalued. The people that are on it and use it are completely dependent upon. Yeah, too and much. I, so. I'm one of those people because yeah, for I'm news, too dependent on it. I mean, I, that's where I'm going. I'm not I'm not a Facebook person. I'm not going to Facebook for anything. Uh, I am going to Twitter and I'm going to Instagram. That's it. And I'm going a lot. Yeah. So I think, look, Elon Musk has made some much. pretty good business decisions over the course of his life. I don't think he's sinking $44 billion into something he sees oh, as he hitting a plateau. He's, he's also He's vowed, seeing it as it's, it's going up. He's vowed to do away with all bots, which I'm, I'm for. Yeah. He's, doing, he, you must, he's somehow luck. going to authenticate Everybody. all humans. That's great. <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, so, and does that and hopefully it's not having to pick you know the red the stoplights at a sign yeah oh or trying to figure out is crosswalk this, there's is a this crosswalk a, or not is the bike on <laughs> is a motorcycle a bike or is he talking about a bicycle like there's do I a click goat this or not? there's a goat in one of these squares which <laughs> yeah. square has the goat <laughs> that, that's, what, that's how it's gonna well happen. there's always like that fifty percent could go either way tile and you're like do I click this or not. And then you do. Yeah, or is works. this traffic There's, light hanging into this box or right, not? Right, right. There's going to be guys being a lot more responsive to some Twitter DMs now that they know it's not a box. <laughs> it's a human being. <laughs> that are like, oh, well, really? You want to show me these pictures? All right. Well, here's my address. Okay, Which Gordana. My credit, card, my credit card number also. I can hand you that as well. well Gordana from uh, Russia is I mean, actually interesting. I'm actually getting scammed by a real person now. This is great. Coming up, uh, the NFL draft this Thursday. We've got the headlines and the top rumors, the odds for the number one overall pick. The Saints, there's talk that the Saints want to trade into the top ten for a quarterback. We discuss all the headlines as NFL Draft Week begins next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. NFL Draft Week is here. Plenty to discuss. Outkick 360 rolls on. Outkick.com had our mock draft, the three of us with Armando. Um, Armando Salguero compiled everything, posted it today. You can uh, view the mock draft online at outkick.com. We'll run through that uh, later in today's show. That's coming up uh, in about an hour from now. Uh, looking forward to that. USFL had another solid weekend. We'll recap that with behind-the-scenes access from Jeff Fisher. Uh, but the the NFL draft being this Thursday, full coverage here on 360 uh, on throughout Thursday and Friday this week. 
Um, the, the top headlines include Trayvon Walker being the, the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall selection as Monday gets here. It's really something. Jacksonville, I, I think it comes down to do you go with your analytics department or do you go with your football department? I think the analytics department would point to Trayvon Walker, and I think the football department points to Aiden Hutchinson. I, I'm looking at that just based on his rise through the draft process and the traits that you would be drafting him on, it would be tough for me to pass on Aiden Hutchinson. There's a, a report from Jacksonville from a radio person who could, could be connected uh, who, who says that um, Balky likes Walker, that um, Peterson likes Iquanu, and that ownership likes Hutchinson, uh, shot con. For them to be split three ways, uh, you know, going into draft week, uh, I think we'd all agree is kind of an indictment of Jacksonville's structure and and whatever. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with them, you know, still bouncing things around or whatever. But a three-way split is pretty extreme. Usually, usually ownership and either the coach or the GM would be together, and then one of them, uh, the coach or the GM, might be opposite and trying to make a case no but this but for three-way split that is very uncommon you don't well, hear something here's like that. why they should take Aiden Hutchinson because the Jags have done this too often where they go and draft a guy based on athletic traits and potential and they get burned by the high ceiling very low floor guy uh, and this is how you get in a spot where you draft this high this often and you're still drafting this high this often so Look, I think that Trayvon Walker has a higher ceiling than Aiden Hutchinson. I think Aiden Hutchinson's a better football player right now. And he's his ceiling, we see it, and it's really good for an NFL player. So go draft a guy who's going to be a really good NFL player, even if it's at the risk of not landing the greatest player in the draft, which Walker very well could be. If, if I went away from Hutchinson, I, I would go to one of the tackles. <laughs> Um, and and to, to protect my most valuable commodity, which is Trevor Lawrence, and to make sure that he's going to be on his feet and to shore up an offensive line and say, well, we're going to have a tremendous offensive line then. Uh, but I, I saw Armando with Dockage this morning saying, you know, with Hutchinson, you're getting a guy who you should have, you know, two contracts, eight, nine years, who's going to play hard all the time and give you eight or nine sacks. There are a lot worse scenarios than that, certainly in the history of the Jaguars, right? Ideally, you'd want a guy that's going to give you 12 sacks a year and be, you know, an all-pro type guy who's a Hall of Fame guy. That guy's not in this draft, and that's Jacksonville's misfortune. But again, I would say, if you're ending up with Trevor Lawrence and the guy I just described with two number one picks in a row, you could do worse. They The... the the fact that they franchise tag Cam Robinson and then sign Brandon Scherf has thrown me off offensive line for them. I don't know why you invest that way if you have the number one overall pick and you can go cheap at left tackle. I don't know why you but, franchise tag your left tackle. Right, but that's only one year's worth I, But you of have the tackle. number one pick and you're, you can pick the best left tackle and they chose to franchise tag $20 million plus to Cam Robinson. But you can, that only covers you for a year is, is all I'm saying. 
So and he's the number one overall pick at left tackle starts at left tackle. That's what I'm saying. If you you go left tackle, you you wouldn't franchise Ted Cam Robinson if he's not playing left tackle. Yeah, the Jags aren't taking someone that's going to sit. That's how I would view. He's playing right tackle for a year. Sure, could play guard for a year, and then next year. You're moving I mean, that I, tackle to left yeah, tackle, and and Scherf could play the other tackle, or he's still a guard, and it's ever ever evolving. I mean, I'm I, not saying it's ideal, I, but I, I'm I, saying that's, that's, that's a possibility. That's something you could do, and it's also in the best interest of your franchise quarterback too. Like that, that's the argument there. Also, like the common sense aspect for me with Jacksonville says Doug Peterson carries a little more juice than Trent Baalke. I don't, I don't know. And, and, and the, sure. uh, the other side would be, well, Trent Baalke survived all this. Trent Baalke was the guy no head coach wanted to play or coach with. He paired, he, no one wanted to be paired with him. They searched and searched. They, they offered uh, interviews uh, to, to other uh, head coaching opportunities. Uh, they tried to hire Byron Leftwich, and he said, I'm not working with Trent Baalke. I'm going to work with this guy. And they said, no, we're going to keep Trent Baalke. So they went and hired Doug Peterson instead. I, if I'm owning the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know how I let Trent Baalke walk in and tell me we're doing this instead of what Doug Peterson wants to do. I would agree with that. I would so, give Peterson the most hand. Despite well, him I'd keeping the his owner. job. I give the owner the most hand. Well, the owner's consistently he, failed. The owner needs to defer. I, but see, I think the thing that makes Shad Khan really good as an owner is he knows what he doesn't know. He allows his football people to make football decisions. Uh, that, unless it's Trevor so Lawrence. Him. Right, but but my my point is, I don't think he's going to force any pick on the guys that he just paired together in an arranged marriage. I don't know why you would do that if you're Shad Khan when you have not done that before. So the report of him wanting some player, while it carries weight, um, if to to me, if Peterson wants to go with the tackle because it's the surefire lock at number one overall, and you can't trade out of it. I would lean towards my head coach that's building around my franchise quarter. Do you let this be a factor at all? Look, you're competing with everybody, obviously, but you're complete, competing with Detroit to not be the worst team in the league anymore. Well, sure. If you pass on Hutchinson, they're taking Hutchinson immediately and joyously and throwing a damn but, parade. But if you're, if you're Peterson, then this is where I'll – this kind of changes my mind a little bit. If the report is accurate that Peterson favors Aquanu, the tackle – then if you're Jacksonville and you're trying to avoid that, this is an offensive guy, former quarterback in the league, a quarterback guru type head coach, right? Well, we have our quarterback, and now we have our left tackle. What does Detroit have? I'm just saying, if you're looking at it from his, you're like, hey, I was brought in because, in large part, because Urban Meyer was a disaster, but Urban Meyer didn't do anything to help out the quarterback. Yeah, You hired me to help the quarterback. My sales pitch to ownership was I am going to come in here and help Trevor Lawrence and help and in turn help this franchise. Yeah. So if he's pitching that to Balky and to Shad Khan and saying, "Help me, let me help the quarterback, help Trevor," and helping me help Trevor is drafting this mammoth left tackle that's going to protect him for the next ten years. That's pretty Convincing. compelling, even though I still think they should draft Aiden Hutchinson. I agree. I, I would crush them less over doing that than I would over taking uh, a, a secondary pass rusher who seems to be gaining ground again for a combine workout. I'm always worried about the combine workout accelerating a guy. I don't care. 
about the combine workout. I, I got to minimize that. That, that. Yeah, that was stunning and everything. But the guy had nine and a half sacks in how many seasons? I, I, the on-field production scares me. Doesn't that scare you guys? Well, here's the thing, too. The, the on-field production scares me, but the franchise scares me. And history matters. History of a franchise matters. I just feel like Aiden Hutchison, wherever he goes, is going to be the player that he is right now. He's going to get a little bit better, but not much. But what he is right now is good enough to be a long-time good player in the NFL. If Trayvon Walker goes to the Jags, I'm immediately feeling like, he's going to be a big disappointment. If it was with another franchise, if Trayvon Walker went to the Ravens, I'd have a different reaction. But if he goes to the Jags, I'm immediately thinking he's going to be a bust. Maybe that's unfair, but that's the history of that franchise. Whereas you can go get someone who I think wherever he's drafted, I have pretty much the same reaction to that player going to that team. I keep going back. This is ancient history, obviously, and we're talking about the Jaguars' history. 2008 was the first year I covered the entire division for ESPN.com, and they went Derek Harvey and Quentin Groves, uh, eighth overall and 52nd overall. They were both defensive ends, pass rushers, and they were like, we're going to solve our pass rush problem with these two guys. Neither of them panned out. Neither of them did anything. Yeah. Uh, Walker, see, I, I, I'm intrigued by – if Hutchinson goes number one, what does Detroit choose to do at number two? Do they go Trayvon Walker? Um, I, I don't think the, the right play is Kayvon Thibodeau, although um, they, they have the pass rush tandem specialists in their front office. Brad Holmes is their general manager who was a scout with the Los Angeles Rams. His assistant general manager is Ray Agnew, who was uh, – the, the guy they would call in for the scouting reports on all those defensive linemen that they drafted, uh, including Aaron Donald, with the Rams. They would bring in Ray Agnew, and he would present his report on what he thought these guys would be. And Ray Agnew's now the assistant general manager in Detroit. Do, do they say, hey, that with our specialty here being def- defensive line, and we, they, they, they have to give – I think they know Goff's not the future. I don't know if I would provide weapons around my offense as much as build up my defense. I'm either going Trayvon Walker at two or Sauce Gardner at two at corner. I'm passing on Thibodeau. Though there. they went cornerback high, high, and it hasn't exploded for them, and teams are generally – it's generally frowned upon league-wide to go corner too high. Um, it's not something people do. Generally, big bodies – or if you're not getting a quarterback, looked at as, as the, the way to go. Um, so we see if that's a factor. I think Sauce Gardner's a very good player, too. I wonder if two is a little bit high. Well, in my mock I sent to Armando, I had Sauce Gardner going two to Detroit. And honestly, because I didn't want Detroit to be in a situation much like Jacksonville where they go on this high-ceiling, very low-floor guy. I think Sauce Gardner is going to be a very good corner. And you know you're going to pick up a starter at corner for the next decade if you draft him. That, that's why I like him for Detroit. I'm talking about Akuda, of course, went three in 2020. Yeah. Not yet great. These are – but to me, Jacksonville, Detroit, they just need something that's steady. Like You've got an opportunity now to eliminate as much risk as possible. There's no such thing as eliminating all risk in a draft. I understand that. But those are two picks to me that if it's Aiden Hutchinson – Sauce Gardner at two, you're eliminating a lot of the risk, even if that's not the flashiest name or the biggest, most valuable position for some of these teams or the biggest position in need 
for some of these teams. I feel better about inside out in terms of reducing risk, getting me closer to the ball, generally speaking. Carolina has reportedly told uh, Baker Mayfield's camp that they're not going to trade for Baker Mayfield uh, prior to the, the first round on Thursday uh, and, and maybe even on Friday. Although um, what the report basically means, if you read between the lines, is, hey, if we don't draft a quarterback at six, we're probably going to make a play for Baker Mayfield. That's me adding into that report. Well, at the very least, I mean, I think it's smart. We're not tipping our hand. We're not going to trade for Baker Mayfield and alert everyone that six is not going to be a quarterback. Um, I think that's a smart play. Uh, I think at, at this stage or this close to the draft, you let everybody – you don't tell anybody what you're doing at six. But I think they just did um, by, by this. And, and they being – and again, it, it, this is line season here. But this has been consistent throughout the offseason for, for Carolina. They have been turned down at the altar with multiple quarterbacks over the last two years. And they have had plenty of opportunities, I'm guessing, to trade for Baker Mayfield. Oh, and yeah. have, have, have chose not to. They've had plenty of opportunity to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and chose not to. And I think it's because they like one of the quarterbacks at number six overall more than they like trading for one of these two guys. Also, if they don't take one, I think the price maybe comes back up. Uh, all of a sudden, Cleveland gets a little bit of hand. They should have just kept their mouth shut here, I, I think, uh, and not, not said anything that lets anything out. But I also think it, uh, you know, it's conceivable somebody jumps ahead of them to mm-hmm. take the quarterback that, that they would have taken and that, you know, they don't have equal fondness for Willis and Pickett, say, and if the, their guy's gone, then they don't take the other one. Um, so they certainly are intriguing. More and more frequently, and look, I'm not pretending like these draft analysts are, are – tied in some are some aren't some are tied in with some teams and not others for sure but increasingly in the in the recent stuff I've seen quarterbacks not in the top 10 not Carolina not Atlanta really not Atlanta uh but people are going away from Atlanta and I'm surprised how many people are going away from Atlanta not just going away from quarterback but going away from receiver and giving them defenders uh I think Atlanta if they're not taking a quarterback which they shouldn't should take the best receiver they could get in this in this draft because they're just depleted at receiver and they don't have anybody for Mariota or whoever's thrown to throw to. Uh, get a good receiver, set yourself up next year when you get a quarterback to have somebody for him to throw to. Um, but Carolina, increasingly, people don't feel like taking a quarterback. I don't know if they've done a good job smoke screening that or people are just deciding they're on mock draft four They're not good enough. <laughs> yeah, we've given you a quarterback three times and we're not giving you one a fourth. And yeah, we'll have a seven point oh. Hey, I know week. Chad usually is very good on being on YouTube and I presume you are. I, I'm in the Twitter uh conversation on oh, cool. our broadcast now. So if you want to be in there and chat at, nice. all, at all. I just assumed the Twitter uh, conversation was so they would that you could mention us. <laughs> There's an actual different video Twitter conversation you're saying. There is. I don't know that there's much of a conversation that goes on in there, but there can be today if you want to Very cool. Here's a conversation that's going to go on a lot of places. This is from Adrian Wojnarowski just now. ESPN sources Ben Simmons and CEO of Clutch Sports Rich Paul met with Nets GM Sean Marks and Net Leadership today to discuss how they're going to continue to work through the physical and mental hurdles needed to get Simmons back on the court. Simmons reiterated a desire to play for the Nets, and sides talked on how they'll work together to try and get there. Both oh. groups believe Simmons had two good weeks. Listen to this. Two good weeks of physical ramp-up through Sunday. But he ultimately realized there are still mental and physical hurdles that need addressing. If I am GM Sean Marks of the Nets, 
I am working through ways to get him to retire yeah. where I don't have to pay him any more money. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Look, uh, Can we discuss just, ways to get out of this? When has there ever been such an effort necessary to get a guy to, to play? I mean, uh, if he's physically ready to play and you can't get him on the court, that's an issue. And I'm sympathetic to whatever mental hurdles he has, but at a certain point, you've got to play. And if you don't want to play, uh, you've got to find a way to move to people who want to play. Well, uh, the Nets are moving on out of the season. They just want to know if he's playing in game four or in this series. Yeah. Um, and anything else is just window Luke. dressing for what's going to happen in the offseason where he won't be a part of the team. Yep. Um, the, the, they're wasting their time. The, uh, are we wasting our time discussing the Saints trading into the top ten for a QB? If Carolina's not taking a quarterback, I would, I would let, I, I would, I would absolutely trade out of that pick if I'm Carolina. I, there's well, will somebody come up, or if they're not taking a quarterback, could well, could the Saints be last year's New England and sit tight and have somebody fall to them like Mac Jones fell to the Patriots and, last year, or do they have to go up as far as six, or could they go up to to twelve? What is the Sean Payton effect on this? If this was a year ago, Sean Payton is there. How much more willing is he to trade up to get a quarterback? Or is Sean Payton saying, these guys aren't first-round caliber. We'll, we'll sit and get an offensive tackle and worry about quarterback later because I know quarterback and these guys aren't it. Yeah. For the franchise, I, I don't know. I don't know how it changes now with Dennis Allen as head coach. But I've looked at a lot of mock drafts, and the most consistent pick I've seen in the first round has been Saints getting Charles Cross. From Mississippi State, they really need tackle, a left tackle. But it's it, there's also either they sit and somehow get him, or they trade up and get him. Not a quarterback, but most of the mocks I'm seeing have them getting tackle, and that tackle is Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Well, whoever's at quarterback for them, for whatever that's worth, whoever's at quarterback for them is going to need a left tackle. They're going to need to take a left tackle somewhere pretty soon after they take a quarterback. Because I don't know that they've made any kind of move to replace a very good left tackle who who left them, um, and and whoever's a quarterback's going to end up on his ass. Yeah, no matter yeah, no matter who it is, it's that or it's the one one of the top wide receivers like Alave. I think that makes a ton of sense if he's available. Um, Everybody's got look offense, pass rushers, offensive linemen, and uh, receivers are pouring off the boards in this receiver. It's in this draft. It's just there, there's a lot of good ones, and you could see uh, three, four, five at those positions gone by the early 20s, um, which means if you need somebody at one of those other positions, you're golden. And, and teams in the, in the 20s, if you want a bite at the apple there, you're rooting for those quarterbacks to get going and uh, go contrary to a lot of these mocks. You want Desmond Ritter – and Matt Corral to surprise everybody and go in the late teens and the early 20s instead of in the late 20s or the early 30s. You can make, you can make your move if you're the Saints to get up in the top 10 because you have two first-round picks this year. And now, could you do it without having to trade both first-round picks this year? Could well, you get up to in, in the top 10? Because they're picking it like uh 15 no it's not 15 it's 16 16 and 18 16 and 19 i think because they had that swap so i, I, I yeah I th yeah i think i think it's 16 and 19 so if you're if you're new orleans can you get in the top 10 by trading away 
you know, future picks and then picks in on day two to move into the top ten, or does it cost you both first-round picks in order to go up and get your quarterback? And New Orleans has not been afraid to move up before. Remember 2018, they went up to 14. Everybody was presuming it was going to be for – uh, I don't remember who specifically, but for a Drew Brees successor or something, it was Marcus Davenport. Uh, they just fell in love with the pass rusher, and they and they went and got him. So and they uh, traded a future first for him. Yeah, I, I uh, New Orleans is kind of the pivot position uh, in the draft because they they've got two picks right in the middle of the first round, and that's where you could see one of the quarterbacks tick off. And if you are, you know, considering trading out of the top 10, I would be trying to convince New Orleans to get ahead of Carolina somehow. You know, can you get, uh, I know the Giants and the Jets already have multiple picks, but can you get New Orleans to come up ahead of Carolina to get your guy? So we skip If it's picket that you want. We skip quarterback with Detroit. Is that dead to the three of us? Uh, it's not dead until 32 where they either take – I think they take Desmond Ritter at 32. At two, though. Is or, it dead to yeah, us Yeah, I'm not two? taking a quarterback at two. It's dead to me at two. I, I never – I, I mean, think, I think it would be really dumb. I still, in the back of my head, keep thinking, if you've got a high pick and you need a quarterback, it's awfully tempting, even if you were taking a big leap of faith to draft one of these guys that high. I, I think they're going to go somewhere else at two. It maybe go quarterback at 32, but – it's still one of those I'll believe it when I see it because the desperation for a quarterback is only going up across the NFL, and Detroit is going to be desperate for a quarterback. I generally prescribe to the keep trying at quarterback philosophy. Like the guy used to call into our show and say, just draft, yeah, draft one, every, one round. every round. I don't prescribe to that <laughs> One of them's going to hit. I don't prescribe to that philosophy, but I do prescribe to You go undrafted to the... <laughs> free agent in every other position. But um, this draft class and the, and the temptations of next draft class and the uncertainty with these guys makes me back off of it. It really does. Quarterback, certainly uh, the discussion point in the USFL where uh, some guys have really taken on with their offenses and some simply have not. And I was around one of them this weekend. Uh, we'll discuss uh, the pros and cons of the offensive play right now. In the new USFL, next and now Kick 360. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There will be a doubleheader on Fox this Saturday in Birmingham for the USFL. The Birmingham Stallions will play at 7 o'clock Central Time. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Uh, week 2 has concluded and they are the, the there are the the haves and the have-nots at, at quarterback for for this league and it's no surprise it's the coaches that have familiarity with their quarterback or the coach that maybe on the periphery had some familiarity with the quarterback but also paired them with college players that the quarterback played with that are having the most success those teams are Birmingham, Philadelphia and New Orleans out of the USFL. Other teams like uh, the Michigan Panthers, where I, I was hanging out with Fisher this weekend, they're 0-2. They will face the 0-2 Pittsburgh Maulers this Sunday uh, for the Battle of the Cellar 
in the North Division. Uh, big game for them as they try to you know claw their way back into contention. And I, I say I say this after two weeks because keep in mind there's eight weeks left. The spring sprint is on, and there are quarterbacks who are playing really well that are off to hot starts, and that's been the difference in the league thus far. You wrote a nice piece from down there. I enjoyed uh, reading that. That added some meat to to what you said there. Uh, with some behind-the-scenes stuff from uh, from Michigan's locker room and sideline and, and all. You get a sense, too, of like uh, what I tried to convey is how much coaching is going on on the, the field in the game. Like there's not – they had three weeks of practice. Some guys, you know, were in and out of the roster. Uh, some some teams, like New Jersey, they drafted a quarterback that didn't even make their team. So, I mean, there's the, – the guys are literally looking over the sideline trying to get lined up properly. Um, for different sets and formations. And I think the teams that are able to just dumb it down and go with what they know are the ones having success. And I think that's what Fisher thought, has to do moving uh, forward. I, I don't even remember which game I flipped on, and I only watched maybe 10 minutes, but the play calls were incredibly simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue slot, yeah, four. Yes. And I think that's an adjustment yes. after the first week, too, to get it to dumb it down because – they were throwing some things at, at players they, they couldn't handle in such a short preparation time. One thing I noticed this, this weekend, too, watching some of the games, the quarterback that has almost a, a flag football ability to avoid a quick rush, a quick one quick rusher, and then do, pass it, and not set. just run yeah. it. Get out Because usually the run is like you know, three or four yards to get, out, to get out of something. But can make something happen with that? Is that a big-time advantage? Uh, the offensive line play, and we knew this going in, it's just not good. You know, for most of these teams, there are a couple teams I noticed that has a pretty solid run game at times and do some interesting things with their run game. But pass blocking is at a premium uh, in this league. And I, I thought your piece at Outkick.com and observation was spot on in that you're really seeing the quarterback slash offensive head coach pairings that work early on. That's working better than the other. No, no one's putting 50 points up a game or no, anything no, like no. that. But you see the ones that are working a little bit better than the others right now when it's the right quarterback paired with the right coach. And the college coaches are having success with that because they would have a background with these quarterbacks. You know, the NFL coaches wouldn't have ever had the chance to coach these guys. Let alone, like, maybe not even on a practice squad. Some of these guys were all over the league but barely saw much consideration for much practice time on a practice squad instead of scout team. Um, they've got to come together fast if they're going to make a run in the league which so far is about football. It's not about gimmicks. The broadcast is very fan-friendly, but the league itself, bare bones, football, which I'm all here for. Headlines next.